Welcome back to Tangential Banter. My name is Ben Mowell. Here's my co-host, Jack Korsnowski. Mm-hmm. How you doing today, Jack? I'm doing good. Yeah? Yeah. It's been quite a, quite a time since we last met and discussed. Well, it's been it's been a long time since we've recorded. Yeah, that's We've true. had plenty of talking in, yeah. in between time. So I feel like we, or at least I, owe our listeners an apology. <laughs> since, you know who uh, you are. The large gap in our recording sequence was largely due to a trip I took to India. And then I think you had been planned to be out of town for a weekend. And then I forgot that I was going to Arizona. <laughs> How do you forget? And it was like a matter of days before. Because you said, oh, yeah, I'll go see Joker with you, Mike. That was Michael, a, like that was on, on Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah. and then like on Friday, I was like, "Hey, you, you, you want to like you ready to go see Joker tomorrow?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that I need to fly to Arizona and so this help is, my this is the brother story. drive a moving truck across the country." So I I knew that I was helping him in the future. I didn't remember it was coming up that quickly um, until I got the check in reminder for my airline. Nice. <laughs> my phone. It was like for, it's twenty four hours to check in. Oh. How, how do you forget that you have to like go on a flight and like that's a pretty big commitment over like a weekend because you yeah. were driving like 30 some hours straight, right? Yeah. Or maybe not straight, but like it was like 31 hours. We drove like 31 and a half hours in 37 hours of clock time. How do you just not realize that you're doing that? Like, no, that weekend? I mean, I knew I was doing it, but I thought like I had another weekend. But how do you know? My question is how because do you it was, it was the first, the weekend I was doing it was the first weekend in November. And so, in my mind, it was still October, so I still had all this time until I was doing that thing in November. Man, like, I, when I'm just, like, going up to Minneapolis for the weekend, I know, like, what date that is ahead of time. I know it's, like, three weekends from now, yeah. two and a half weeks from now or something. I mean, the other thing was, is it wasn't really my plan. I was just kind of along for the ride. You know Why? What I mean? what? Like, if it was something where I had laid out the plans, it was like, I booked the ticket, picked the dates, all that, you know. Did you not be... book the ticket? No. My brother booked it for me. Oh. I thought you would have like booked it, and he would have just paid for it. Why did you have to go help him move if he just dropped you off in Cedar Falls on the way to Michigan? Well, anyway? because he was he. So my sister in law and nephew and niece flew back to Michigan. Uh-huh. So he was by himself. So he would have been driving all that, uh, you know, whatever it works out to, like forty hours of driving. Yeah. By himself with the moving truck. So he would. Was there any practical? So help? we rotated out. So we took turns driving. Was it just so that you could drive during the night? Well, I mean, so that we keep each other awake. And yeah, as you got tired of driving, you know. Oh. I mean, because it's a, it's a 26-foot box truck with a trailer on it. Yeah. So all told, it was like 50-some feet long, yeah. which neither of us has training or yeah. license to do. I mean, you don't need a license to do it, but... It gets wearisome when you're driving and you're not used to it. Yes, man. That Especially because you got massive blind spots and you don't have any acceleration. And yeah, forty hours on like a in a car by myself over a weekend sounds amazing. So my brother's done that drive before, just in a car. Yeah. He's driven from Michigan to Arizona a few times, and he's done it straight through by himself. Like forty hours of straight driving. When well, you- it's faster in a car. It's like I don't know thirty something, but but like he didn't sleep. That's what he said. Yeah. That's really dangerous. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So he said his his uh, practice was he would just drink Mountain Dew until his bladder hurt. And then he would hold it and that would keep him awake. Wow. And then the Mountain Dew with the caffeine sugar would help too. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That is... Commitment. That That is like... That's, I wouldn't do that. I'm not sure if I could, but I just wouldn't even try. Part of it, I think, was just a refusal slash commitment on his part to not stop and get a hotel. 
So, yeah, I mean, so- he could have slept in a rest area or something. But. And I'm like very paranoid. I shouldn't say paranoid, but I've had a few close calls with like falling asleep at, at night, like when I'm yeah. really tired. Even like during the day, just when I'm really tired. So I've like, learned, I don't want to risk that. I wouldn't want to risk that myself. I've learned how to manage that. Obviously, just not drive tired is the first step. But like if I'm no. go, if I'm going on a trip somewhere, if I take a nap immediately beforehand, even if it's only half an hour, that works wonders. Mm. And then as I start to feel myself getting tired, not even to the point of drowsiness yet, yeah. I can just turn the AC on. And keep it nice and cool in the car, and then I don't really get drowsy. Mm. So you're one of those where being cold helps you. Yeah, it doesn't really have that effect. You get cold enough till your toes hurt, it'll keep you awake. Oh, I bet that would. Yeah, yeah. That's like, I thought it was just keeping it. We used to keep it cool. I thought it was like, oh, it's crisp in here. Not like I'm actually like. Well, it starts. It starts crisp, (laughs) and then as the the tiredness sets in. You go colder, and then you start. You're like, oh. what wakes me up is like if I'm like like nodding off, and I'm like, okay, I'm like literally gonna fall asleep any minute. I'll like crank up the music, and I'll just like sing along with the song like as yeah. loudly as I can. And I don't know if it's just like the, like the adrenaline of it, or if it's just like you exasperating, like you know, breathing in and out really hard. If that just wakes you up, but something does it. Where if I just do that for like one song, I'm like, boom, like let's go after it. Hmm. And it Maybe because you like lot. oxygenated your yeah, blood. Yeah, like where you're just breathing yeah. in and out oh, a lot. Interesting. And like and uh and you know, like tensing your your lungs and stuff. Diaphragm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well, so uh, let's jump into our first topic for today, which was uh, recommendation slash request from uh, one of my former colleagues, Trevor Tobeka, who now lives in Denmark. Shout out to Trevor. Denmark, yeah. I think that's an accurate representation of their accent, no doubt. Um, so he was he was suggesting or hypothesizing from something he had read or something that uh, <laughs> that part of human consciousness or some some aspect of human consciousness actually originates in the heart, not in the mind, which <clears throat> I'd never heard before that. And I thought it was an interesting position. Um, so are there any thoughts that come to your mind right off the bat? Yeah, one, I don't believe it. I should say, I don't believe it. And there's two reasons why. One, you know, there have been heart transplants done before. I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording. There have been heart transplants done before. So if, con- if some consciousness, you know, if it was like the equivalent of a small brain or partial brain transplant, then you would wake up from the surgery and say, holy crap, I'm not Jack anymore. I'm Jack with a little bit of Bob or something and say, I remember things that, you. that, but yeah, that Bob did <clears> and <throat> would think I'm Bob or something. How do you know that hasn't happened in heart transplants? I guess we haven't heard any records of it. So there's nothing to suggest. So let me put it this way. He made the claim, your friend made the claim that part of the consciousness comes from the heart. I'm saying that there is no evidence to support that. So besides his just wild speculation, there's no ground. Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily well, his speculation. Well, I, yeah. yeah. So I'm using him as a representative of the claim, sure. which I guess isn't fair. But anyway, that's point number one, that there is no evidence to suggest that I've ever seen. Granted, I haven't looked into it. So maybe there is, and I just haven't seen it, which is totally possible because, again, I haven't looked. But two, one, the heart is just a muscle. It's oh, a smooth, just a muscle. It's yeah. just a muscle. So demeaning to muscles. So why not say, I think, so I think that that claim is just as legitimate, or maybe I should say just as illegitimate as saying, 
I think part of the consciousness comes from your left tricep. I can hear it talking to me. Right yeah. Now. Or my latissimus dorsi or my quad. You know, that sounds ridiculous. I think the whole heart consciousness thing would only have some grounds. But what in... about for butt heads? They're saying that they have heads, butts for heads, not butts for brains. I think they're saying they have butts for heads because they're equating their head with their brain. So you're saying that your gluteus maximus is where your yes. heart consciousness comes from. I mean, there could, just, be a, there could be a lot of consciousness stored there. That's true. That's interesting. If it is muscularly based. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, so most of your consciousness, if it were based on it'd muscle, be in your legs. it would be in your legs, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So I was I w was thinking about this a little bit, and less from the purely scientific perspective and more from the uh, human experience, I guess, mm -hmm. in that... Um, I would say it's, it's fairly true, at least from what I understand, across time and culture that there's a sense that emotions don't come from your brain. Really? Right? Like we, so for example, um, we, if someone is, you know, um, pining or, uh, love struck or whatever we or we could call them heartbroken right like that's a phrase we use heartbroken mm -hmm. and or it comes from the heart or yeah, something yeah um or if someone feels very deeply about things we say they're bleeding heart or um or for example if you're excited or scared your your pulse picks up right which is okay. based on an impulse coming from the brain telling it that it should be beating faster, right? Yeah. So there's definitely elements of that. But I was just thinking about the fact that we do, from our own culture, identify ways that the heart is responsible for things that the brain isn't. Now, I'm not implying that we as humans can know which organ, like just from our own consciousness, is originating different mm elements of our behavior right when you say from our own consciousness you mean like we could in theory like put sensors on our bodies and or no like... i mean like if i were to go in to a hospital they could attach electrodes and measure which parts of my body are causing different things right mm. in yeah presumably the brain mm. right but i can't just sitting in a chair go oh that thought just came from my brain or As that thought spleen or something right yeah. or that emotion came from my stomach or whatever right right um, so I think it's maybe more on the physical side of it. Like, so for example, heartbrokenness, you can actually feel, and there are people who report this, like feel chest pains mm. from being heartbroken, right? Like it actually physically manifests in your chest mm. or if, if you're, um, similarly, like in your stomach, you can feel sick to your stomach. If something happens, like the bottom just drops out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think there's maybe some of the physical manifestations of emotions that we feel cause us to believe that there are elements of our being that don't necessarily fully reside in our brains. Oh, okay. Well, the, the other thought I had, and this was a little bit more, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess I would say spiritual in nature is that I think we, the heart is really a proxy for the core of our being. Mm. And like a part of us that we can't reach and we can't fully express it, but we know exists like the, 
the center of our identity. Like our soul or something? Yeah, I would say our soul would be the spiritual equivalent, right? Yeah. So I think there's this element of that that, you know, no matter how much you study someone's brain and dissect the signals that are happening, you're never going to be able to find them yeah. in there, right? Like they aren't just the sum of their synapses and the neurons firing and all that. So I think there's an element of that as well where there's there's kind of ethereal element of what it is to be human that excuse me <clears throat> don't tell me how to live my life sorry there's this ethereal element of what it means to be human that doesn't fully reside in the brain okay and we we can't quantify it and so a way that i think we would tend to do that is to say it comes from the heart or soul whatever which isn't really just so i have two points on that one that isn't even really any better because you're not because if you're saying, oh, there's a part of us that doesn't reside or that can't be observed physically in our bodies, so it can't exist in the brain. It obviously must exist in the heart. Like, it's like, <laughs> that's not really, like, that's, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, yeah. that's not any better. Like, yeah. Uh, and then two, I think the whole reason why we came up with phrases like heartbroken or, you know, listen to your heart or heartfelt is because back in the day, like back in ancient Greece times, I believe maybe even older than that, they thought that the heart was the brain. And they thought that was where thought and consciousness and emotions came from. Mm. And then that's where all those phrases and all those concepts came from. And then when they discovered, oh, crap, no, it's the brain up in your head, not your heart in your chest, those concepts stuck. And now we revere them sort of in a romantic sense. Everybody knows it's not true, but we still use it for, I think what you said is a, it, the heart is a proxy for our souls. It's like the physical representation of our soul, even though it um, actually isn't anything really special concerning, you know, what identifies us as us. Cause again, you yeah. can get a heart transplant and you're not a different person. It's not like your soul transfers to another body. Yeah. It's not like if you need a pacemaker, you have a, you suddenly become a wicked person because your heart is corrupted or something. Maybe you become a uh, cyborg Terminator. Ooh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. All those old people walking around out there, with pacemakers. <laughs> They're just ticking time bombs. Yes. Wait until those get hacked. Yeah, it's like you're gonna rob this bank or I'm gonna shut off your pacemaker. That's right. Well, you don't even have to threaten them. You would just make them do it. Oh, yeah. I feel like you need something. Well, if consciousness comes from the heart, that's true. Yeah. So maybe that's it. We'll try to reprogram senior citizens to become bank robbers. And if that doesn't work, <laughs> that's our, then we, that's that's our, our empirical key. evidence. That's right. Uh, yeah, that'd be an interesting. Uh, I feel like there could be a plot of a movie. Yes. <laughs> Comedy movie, yeah. But um, there was another thought I had that just now escaped me. Dang it well um i think we summarized that topic pretty well yeah i think i got my thoughts out on it pretty good um, so trevor if you're listening and we missed the mark or there's something that we weren't understanding with your with your suggestion feel free to reach out and uh give us your thoughts yeah for sure and we can rediscuss re it if we missed some big points so moving on, mm. the other topic we had kicked around for today's conversation yep. is a question. What is the most redneck thing you've ever done? Mm. 
which we, uh, for you listeners, we more broadly open to, doesn't necessarily have to be you as the instigator of the action, but something you've observed or been around, yeah. been, been a part of that was pretty redneck. And I think the reason why we even opened it up. So the little context, like probably at least two months ago, Ben and I actually did a recording session on this question. But then when we got done, or at least I think it was a recording, but then when we got done, we, um, no, you know what it was? It was when we were, so I think, so Ben, you said that we talked about this off, yeah. off the record, which I think now that I recollect back, I think it's true. I think what I was thinking of is how you gave your uh, testimony of your bike trip and then we recorded mine. And then that recording got bugged yeah. and we couldn't, yeah, yeah. We couldn't yeah. post it. So then we needed to record it again. That's what I was thinking of. Because I remember talking yeah. a long time about something that I did. And then we were like, oh, crap. Like, we, we can't post this because yeah. it's bugged. And then I had to do it. I think our yeah. conversation about some of the redneck stuff was, uh, was when we were sharing stories, but we weren't recording. We were just yeah. talking. So we both – so we opened it up to – redneck instances that we've been involved with but wasn't exactly us doing it because both ben and i have more anecdotes that i think is probably more entertaining uh than my own personal story so yeah. i think it's good to include them especially given the fact that uh both of the hosts here are engineers yeah who are somewhat by nature risk averse and rule followers right um we're better at watching other people do stupid stuff than yes. doing it ourselves. Uh, All right. Well, Ben, why don't you go first? What's the most redneck thing that you've done? Um, so I don't know if this is the most redneck, but it comes to mind. Uh, so when I was in college, some friends had a desire to play hockey. And none of us had really played before, but we were on boards. So we were like, let's try it. And... Um, so I went to school about half an hour from downtown Chicago uh, in Hammond, Indiana. And we were, well, this one guy who wanted to play hockey found a local high school that had an outdoor rink and determined that there was an adult league that played on Thursday nights from like 10 to 11 p.m. or something like that, or 9 to 10, I can't remember. Anyway, so they played outside on this rink. And then when they were done, they would all load up and leave, but the lights stayed on the rink. And so we could go and play after they were done so we got in this habit of going we would just wait in the parking lot until they all loaded up their cars and then we would get out of our cars go run and hop the fence and go play hockey and not like would you have, wait would you have to hop the fence is there not a door no it was outdoor it was like it had like a 10 foot fence around it we had to i don't think the gate was that high but we had to climb the gate oh wow yeah. because the gate was locked oh yeah so they locked it on their way out okay so most of us didn't have hockey gear so we would just play with shoes and sticks, you know, yeah. and we literally the goals were set up as like a pair of shoes that nice. spaced apart, you know, but anyway, so we played for a few weeks and it was probably the third or fourth week we were out there and uh, we like we could see within, you know, kind of our visual distance, there was a, a helicopter flying around. This was at night. This was at night. Yeah. So this was like 11 p.m. on a Thursday night. I'm like, huh, I wonder what the helicopter's up to. Well, lo and behold, like as we're playing, I, it was, I'm pretty sure the number was seven Chicago PD <laughs> squad units roll in. So they're like four SUVs and three cars and this helicopter. <laughs> the helicopter's the kicker. <laughs> yeah. 
So they all they come rolling up, and uh, a couple of them get out of their cars and like, "Hey, you guys can't be here. You got to get off the ice." And we're like, "Okay." <laughs> so we we immediately proceed to get off the ice, right? Because we don't want to start anything with them. And uh, so the one guy who actually wanted to start playing hockey there was just slow about it. And one of the cops was like, um, Hey, what's your friend's name? And we're like, Mike. And he goes, Hey, Horatio, get off the ice. He just, he just started like this whole, uh, persona of Horatio and how he, he was too slow and needed to like, Anyway, why, why but, did he call him Horatio? I don't know. He just like made it up on the spot. So the cop at this him. point, the cop was pretty lighthearted. About they, it. I mean, they yeah, they all like they were obviously serious, but they weren't like there wasn't any sense of imminent danger. Or, like they weren't, yeah, you know, gonna upset or, or right. Yeah. yeah, they're just kicking us out. Uh, but anyway, so we were just like, man, it's got to be a really slow night. Yeah. In Chicago, for there to be this many squad units and a helicopter coming to kick us off the ice, yeah. And they're like, "Oh yeah, we were we were a couple blocks over watching a couple kids beat each other up or something like that." And I was <laughs> watching like, them. Oh, yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's reassuring." Like, watching them beat each other up. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's probably again, that's probably not the most redneck thing I've ever done, but that was the first thing that came to mind: mm-hmm. getting kicked off an ice rink by yeah a bunch of Chicago police officers. Okay. Did they ever explain why they had so many cops come? Because it's like, oh, we got some kids playing on the in the you know ice hockey rink at the high school. They shouldn't be there. It's like you know, like call up the legion. Like I don't get it. Like why did they- I assume they had all been they'd all been somewhere else together? Whether they were actually watching his fight or if they were on break getting food somewhere or whatever. Watching it, it's just a, yeah, a yeah. We were we were taking bets. I mean. To be in that line of work, you've got to have a little bit of a dark sense of humor, so it wouldn't totally surprise me. But all right, so that's your anecdote, right? Yeah, the, the first one at least. Yeah, but your anecdote, yes, the correct. one that yeah, yeah that involves you. So mine also involves the cops, naturally. And there's that, there's two anecdotes, and I have to kind of they come as a pair because they're pretty much the same story. So one of them was uh, it was me and a handful of my buds. I think we were in early high school at this point maybe late middle school. And uh, we were at his parents' house uh, playing in his backyard and the neighbor's backyards because there's no clear boundary. There's no fences. Like you can easily just roam around the neighborhood uh, through the all the linked backyards. And uh, we were playing airsoft mm-hmm. with each other. So, uh, you know, just shooting each other, taking cover. I can't remember if it was... For, for those who aren't familiar, airsoft is like a BB gun, but they're plastic BBs instead of metal. So yeah. they sting a lot, but don't really do permanent damage no and the airsoft community is is um and was committed to i guess maybe realism because it's not like paintball which is sort of like in its own like you use guns but guns look so unrealistic and you know it's yeah. it's kind of like its own thing airsoft is you can sort of simulate you know urban combat or something sure you know I, good enough for you know middle middle schoolers or something so is, anyway, there, is there a standard for middle schoolers of what's good enough for combat so. simulation? I think so. Okay. And I, that, that met it. Okay. So we were playing around and it was getting dark. So we decided to just pack up. So we brought all of our gear in and uh, laid out all of our like gun bags on the side of the house with like our uh, boxes of quote unquote ammunition of the plastic BBs and all of our gear. And um, my friend's mom was driving his little brother home as we were packing up. 
and uh, or maybe we were like just coming in and with all of our gear there because actually what makes sense what happens next wouldn't make sense if we were truly packing up um but no we were packing up because i was like if we had just been 30 seconds faster we could have avoided all this so we were packing up my bud's mom comes home with her little bro with his little brother that becomes important soon so we see them and he said hey i'm gonna come join you guys we're like okay whatever we're packing up but sure so then like a few minutes later we're sitting there still packing all of our gear up and uh i this guy walks up and it's dusk so we just see his black silhouette and he says hey how you guys doing and we said fine and i was just thinking who is this guy and all of a sudden he just says golden valley police department and i was like what and then like he shined this you know really bright flashlight yeah. in our in our faces and jesse or austin if you're hearing this i guess jesse was the only one who was there i apologize because i can't remember the next thing that he said but i think he said you know get up against the wall or put your hands up or something i was like what the heck is going on because i thought maybe there were there's like a criminal nearby and they just want to make sure they that we weren't him or ah, something but you were the criminal yeah so then he said he finds out what we were doing and that that part of the story sort of um evades me and then he puts the light down my bud jesse says i didn't see it but he says that either that cop or the was it a swat team i don't think it was a swat team uh but it was like it was like a oh, handful of police officers came around the neighbor's house and they were putting their guns away um we didn't see it because we were being blinded by the light as, blinded by the light. Yes, exactly that. And then they made Did us the song like, come on as he turned on his flashlight. So then they made us get up against the wall. They got our hands behind our backs, put them in those weird grips that they, they can hold both your hands with one hand of theirs. And then if you try to struggle, they can like break all of your fingers or something. You know, that whole thing. It was very much to believe that anyway. It was a very awkward grip. So I can totally yeah. see it happening. Um, and then they, you, you say, where's your wallet? And, you know, like, uh, like, or give us like, we're, we need to see your ID. So we showed them their ID. We explained what was happening. And they're like, okay, we got calls of like, you know, men like running around the neighborhood in camouflage with guns, like submachine guns. And that's what my bud Jesse was dressed like. And he had a submachine gun model of an airsoft gun. So, oh, no, we were just playing airsoft. We asked our neighbors. They said it was okay. So, you know, I was sort of freaking out a little bit at first. And then we had... It was just us and the cops sort of like in a circle talking, hey, you guys don't do this. You know, it's illegal. Uh, you can find places outside the city limits that'll let you do it. And they were just sort of get, you know, giving us the lecture, but everybody felt safe. And then all of a sudden, after the cops were like, had guns on us, were like thinking that we were armed uh, like hostiles, my friend's little brother comes running out in camouflage, a ski mask, and a rifle. Runs up to the cop saying, ooga booga booga. Because <laughs> he didn't realize what was going on. I, I, like for a half second, maybe a full second, I was legitimately frightened that they, the cops would freak out and shoot the guy. Yeah. But then they didn't. They just sort of looked at him. And I, my How eyes old just was bugged. this kid at this point? He would have been middle school, early middle school, elementary school, okay. I think. Probably early middle school. Um, so he was, so, he was short at that point. It was probably more like, booga, booga, booga. yeah, but it was just like, <laughs> not well-timed. No. And then he's like, well, you know, what's going on? And the cops explained, and then we packed up and then went inside. And I say that like, um, it would have been, we, it would have been a non-issue if we were just 30 seconds faster. Cause we were like grabbing our stuff and bringing it inside when the when the guy showed up, right, so, you know, yeah, how, yeah. like, yeah. how you guys doing? Um, so then he would have had a knock on my mom's or my, uh, my my friend's mom's door and then would have felt much less threatened and we wouldn't have had guns pulled on us. 
So that's one of the most redneck things that I've done. So that's part one. Part two was my same group of friends saying, okay, let's not have a repeat of that incident. So we found a wilderness preserve kind of by my house. It was like a park that you can run through and it's mm-hmm. really wooded and whatnot. So we were like, let's go play in there. So we got our gear and we started walking. It wasn't very far from my house. And then it's that you enter this, uh, this park at the end of a cul-de-sac. There's like a trail lead in. So we start walking yeah. down the cul-de-sac and then there's just this a big construction crew working that cul-de-sac. I can't remember what they were doing, like tearing out the gutter or the, the, the curbs and putting in new ones or something. There was a big to-do. So you're like, oh, oh crap. We don't want to see them with our because like we were carrying our guns in their cases and they had a very clear picture of the of the gun on on the case yeah so we like i can't remember what we took something like i don't know why we would have taken a coat but it was because it was the middle of summer but we took something and we draped it over the guns that makes it less suspicious. yeah less suspicious right at least Did you have some like rolled up carpets you were taking on <laughs> so we go in nobody stopped us nobody really said anything so we're like, okay we think we're good so we we were like, let's take our gear and move it well away from where that trail entrance yeah. is and kind of put it in an incons- in- inconspicuous place and unload there. So we did that and we started getting our gear out and then we started playing. And then we, in our game, we kind of got close to that trail entrance. Well, when we were by there, this pickup truck for the construction crew was rolling through the wilderness preserve. Don't know why he was even back there. Um, but he was, he was dropping off some roll up carpets. Yeah. yeah. But he was rolling through on the trail, pulling up to the, where the trail meets the cul-de-sac and we were, Oh crap. So we all got our, like grabbed our guns and we're running away. So he didn't see us or at least can tell what we were doing. Cause we didn't want somebody to call the cops on us, but that's what he did. And we didn't realize it at first. So he was like, Hey, and he called us over and said, like, what are you guys doing? You can't be back, playing back here with guns or whatever. And we were like, no dude, it's airsoft. Calm the hell down. Like, we're just being kids. Like, why Why are you even freaking out? Like, if I were a construction crew, and I experienced this when I was on my bike trip, those construction crews that you run into, like, at least on, when I was on a bike, they could not care less. Because, like, I was, I, I rolled up to them. Like, literally, there was one time, and I think I already explained this during one of our other sessions, there was a construction zone that was blocking off an intersection that I needed to get through. And they closed it off at least uh, maybe 100 yards down the road from the intersection it's not like it was just closed right up where the roads meet so i had it like there was nobody there so i had to pass through i walked all the way down to the intersection that was an active construction site began walking through it and there were like construction workers with, with heavy equipment yeah heavy equipment and everything like going through nobody said nothing i had to flag somebody down and say is it okay if i walk through here now that i'm and, already half yeah through. and the guy was like well you're already halfway through anyway so yeah just keep going and he's <laughs> And then there was another incident where like, I pulled up and I flagged somebody that I, or or maybe somebody saw me and said, is it okay if I just walk through this construction site? And he was like, yeah, sure. And like, they know, like the, the construction crews on those highway construction sites, when I was on my bike trip, happiest people in the world. Very accommodating. It's because ne- they get to operate heavy equipment. Never, never once was somebody like, oh, I don't know. Like, or maybe here, let me walk with you. Or like, you got to like put this hard hat on. Nothing. You, you know, sign this waiver. Yeah, nothing, nothing like that. Uh, but this guy, with just a bunch of kids playing in a park, decided to call the cops. Mm. So I, it's, I, I don't know. He must have looked like miscreants. Yeah, I, I don't know why this guy. And it was like you know, middle of the summer during summer break. I have no idea what how big a chip this guy in his sh- head on his shoulder. But to be safe, after we ran away, 
before he flagged us down. So what are you guys doing? We like, we need to hide our guns. So we mm-hmm. hide our guns with our gear, which was in a far away inconspicuous spot. And then we go back and say, what are you guys doing? It's like, no, we're just playing back here, dude. Calm down. We're kids. This is like a park. And I was, I can't remember the discourse with him beyond that. But then I decided after a few minutes, like, I'm going to go check in our gear, make sure nobody's rooting around over there in case he had like a buddy or like a second pickup truck that he told, hey, go see what these guys are doing. So I'm like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And so I start walking by uh, and I look at, and I go back to the gear. No, nobody's there. Nothing had been rooting around it. So I'm like, well, in case somebody is trailing me, uh, I'm going to take this bottle of water and make it sound like I'm going to the bathroom. So I just started kind of pouring it out, uh, make it sound like I was, you know, a bleeding lizard. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just hear, freeze! And I stop and I just tense up and I hear, put your hands up. So I, I think I had the bottle of water in my hand or I dropped it and he said, turn around. So I turn around and it's so heavily wooded, I couldn't see who it was. And then I suddenly start seeing somebody walking through the brush. And then as the guy gets closer, I realize that it's a police officer with an MP5, double banana clip, submachine gun. And I was looking right down the barrel of this thing. And I was just like, oh. That means he wasn't aiming at your center of mass. Right, he was aiming at my head, dog. Yeah. I was looking right down the thing. And I was like, oh, cool, it's MP, submachine gun, double banana clip, awesome. Pointed at my face. Oh. And then, you know, he's like, what are you doing? And it's like, it's like I, I can't remember the discourse I had with him, but he was like, we got calls of kids shooting deers with bows and arrows. And I literally had my hands up and I just dropped them. And like, had this like a look of unbelief, of disbelief on my face. Say, shooting deer with bows and arrows? You kidding me? No, dude, we're, we're playing airsoft back here. Like, I, I came, I fessed up clean with him. So that stupid idiot said that we were using bows and arrows. How do you even mistake, like, a gun with a bow and arrow? They're completely different shapes. The only thing I could think of, Ben, was because I had a sniper rifle airsoft gun. And when I was running away from the scene of this jerk coming through the nature reserve in a pickup truck on a bike path for some stupid reason, I was running with it lengthwise, holding it in my hand and running like this. So it may have looked like a bow. Um... I still don't know how we mistook it for a bow because it's a rifle. Of course, that area is well known for its child deer poachers. Yeah, this is the middle of in the, the suburbs. In the traditional style. The of suburbs of, of Minneapolis. And when there's the middle of the day, there aren't deer running around in the middle of the day, buddy. I'm not a deer hunter and I know that. So this cop explains the situation, you know, deer's bow and arrows. And it's like, no, we're airsofting. So I brought him to the other guys. And then there was another officer with another machine, like submachine gun. He gave us the same shtick. As before, don't do it. There's other places outside of city limits where you can do it, but then you get people thinking that you're using real guns. They get to call the police. So it turns out there's no real good place to play airsoft. No, we were like literally in a nature reserve park that was heavily wooded. Nobody could see in it very easily. And then it was just a stupid construction crew and it's stupid construction worker who was just sticking his nose way deep. In business that he ought not have stuck his nose mm. into. And then he got it wrong, right? If he said there are kids running around with guns back here, okay, I understand it. Because they were guns. I can understand if somebody mistook him for guns. But bows and arrows? If you're going to call us into the cops, buddy, at least call us in for something correct. I was like bows insulting. Bows and arrows. Yeah. That is, that, is that a naval term? Bows and arrows? Yeah, bows and arrows. So, so speaking of people sticking their nose too far in other people's nose, and kind of redneck, but it, not really. So... 
a few years ago, after I got to Cedar Falls, some friends and I, so they used to have, and I don't know if they still do it, but an annual night ride, a bike ride at night, uh-huh. uh, usually like early August. And so they do a loop from Gateway Park in Cedar Falls. You ride along the north side of the river down to Waterloo, you cross the river, and you come back on the south side. Okay. It's a pretty nice ride. Yeah, it's a nice ride. It's like nine miles or something. So, you know, it's it probably takes an hour, 45 minutes an hour, so it's a slow pace. You know, people just, whatever. But they put out a bunch of glow sticks along the trail. So it's like this illuminated kind of like, it's a cool experience. So anyway, this was, I think, maybe the second year we'd done it. And so I decided I was going to go all out. So I went to Walmart and got a pile of different glow sticks. Okay. And uh, I was riding my bike. And it had been a while since I'd had glow sticks. Is that I, what units you buy glow sticks in? A glow stick? Piles? One pile of glow no, sticks? No, I mean it's packages. <laughs> packages that made up a pile. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I couldn't remember how long they lasted. And I wanted to be sure that they lasted the whole ride. So I waited until I was on my way to the starting point to put them on, right? So I was riding. I rode up by um, past CFU. And then there's uh, Washington Street Park right next to Cedar Falls Utilities. Yeah. And so okay. I, I pulled my bike in there. And I had these glow sticks in my backpack. So I stopped in the parking lot. And I started taping the glow sticks to my bike. Now, um. And like I said, I'd gotten a bunch of different ones. Like I had one that had a couple of connectors, so it turned into like a sphere. Oh. So I had that like over the um cool. I well, I can't remember that the head of the handlebars. What is that called? That crossbar, maybe? Yeah, whatever know. piece connects your handlebars to your uh fork. So I had like the sphere over that, and then I had some some long thin ones that I was like taping to the rims so that like you could see the rim and then I had some shorter ones that I had. Well, anyway, so there's like all these different types. So anyway, I'm taping these glow sticks to my bike. Um, and this SUV pulls up. I wasn't really paying attention, you know, because I was taping. This SUV pulls up and they roll in the window. And they go, hey, uh, where'd you get those glow sticks? And I was like, oh, I bought it at Walmart. And they're like, oh, okay. And then just kind of roll away. And I was like, well, that was weird, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, focused on the task at hand, not really paying attention. So they drive off back out the street and just disappear okay so a couple minutes later i'm done taping so i get back on my bike and i start riding down the bike trail headed north toward the starting point and all of a sudden i see headlights on the bike trail coming at me and i'm like what the heck is going on here so i i pull my bike off to the side of the trail and i'm like you know getting into the grass on the yeah, shoulder because i don't want to get run over like yeah. what is this idiot doing how fast is he going not very fast just crawling along so this suv it's the same i didn't realize it at the time it's the same one that I'd driven by stops about i don't know you know 50 feet away from me and this guy gets out all just already livid right in the face and shouting at me you got two options. You can either turn over the glow sticks or I'm calling the cops. <laughs> it was just like, how dude, many times I, in your life are you going to hear that line? Yeah. I just was like, what are you talking about? He, was, he goes, you know, you know, you stole those. Those are meant for the ride. We placed those out along the trail. And I was like, dude, these aren't even the same kind. Like, if you look along the trail, they had one, only one type of glow sticks. They're all really long, thin ones. Uh-huh. Um, 
you know, maybe like the pencil eraser diameter. Yeah. And I had some that were like short, stubby, fat ones, like yeah. sidewalk chalk size, and yeah. like all these different variants. It was like, just look, they're obviously not the same kind as the ones that are on the trail. And he's like, well, well, you got receipts for those? <laughs> and I was like, no, because I wasn't expecting to be called a thief tonight. <laughs> And then a glow sticks, yeah, a few glow sticks, yeah. And so then he's just like, oh, it starts kind of backtracking. <laughs> and so he gets back into his SUV, and it was one of those things. Oh, better not let it happen, you know. Better not let it happen again, or whatever. It's just like, dude, you're obviously in the wrong here. Get off the bike trail with your SUV because you're not authorized. Yeah. Like, so I was just, it was like. Number one, who are you? If if you're an organizer of the event, you've obviously taken your role like way too seriously. Because yeah. I, I really wanted to point out to him, glow sticks are single use. So even if I had been stealing them from the trail, yeah. within four hours, they're going to be thrown in the trash yep. anyway. Right? So it was like one of those scenarios where someone has allowed... An absolutely minuscule or perhaps even imagined amount of authority and let it completely go to their head where it was just like... Slash, they just blew it way out of proportion. Yeah, like, I've got to drive on the bike trail with my car to stop this thief. And they were accusing you of of stealing glow sticks. Yeah, with zero evidence other than the fact that I had glow sticks on my bike. Well, I'd say you're heading to a ride where it's glow sticks. Yeah. And then, because you because you could explain one, no, I'm participating in the ride. Two, I don't even have the same glow stick type right. on my bike, right. which I know because I'm a part of the ride. Why would I yeah. want to detract from it? Yeah, heaven forbid people second, people would decorate their bikes to go on this event and have a good time with their friends. And secondly, you, the, I know Washington Park. That is not on the route that you described. That's past Gateway. That would be outside of the loop. No, no, no. It uh, it is outside of the loop, but it was between. My house and the start of the loop, because Gateway is south. No, no, Washington but my point is, why would they? If that wasn't part of the loop, why would they have put the glow oh, sticks down? Um, actually, no. You may come by there. I think if you when you come from Pfeiffer Springs, you don't cross the pedestrian bridge. You turn south and go past CFU, and then you go up uh, like Twelfth Street there, and then you ride back down. But was it? Was you, the path- you ride the bike trail the full way south of the river until you get to First Street? But hold on. But the guy, the the path that the guy was searching for the stolen glow sticks, what, was that area supposed to have been glow sticked? Yeah, I mean there were glow sticks along the trail there. Oh, okay. But they were. I, I mean that just makes it worse because you can look down at the ground, see here's this glow stick that doesn't look anything like the ones that he has taped to his bike. So there were glow sticks on the trail. Yeah, he. It's not like they were. So I was under the impression that they were missing, and he assumed that you. Stole no, 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 no. He just he just saw me riding on the trail. In a section where there were glow sticks, and then I was affixing glow sticks to my bike. Never mind the fact that they were a totally different style of glow sticks. So there weren't even glow sticks missing. No. Oh, I thought they were missing. I thought somebody may have stolen them, but somebody forgot to put them down. They may have, but I don't know. I don't think so. So the but the part where he was driving along, you said that you saw him on the path. There were glow sticks there. Yeah, but this was oh my. This was like this was like at dusk. Because they wait for the night to get fully dark before you do the ride. So this is at dusk. So there were glow sticks out, but you you could see them, but they weren't really glowing, right? Oh, like it was yeah. where they're kind of just barely radiating yeah. anything. So you can see they're there, yeah. 
but yeah, it was just what a butthole. Yeah, that guy blew things away. I it, really wanted to write like a letter to the editor or something, a strongly worded letter yes. to the editor. People like that really make me wonder because it's just like he's. How are you that angry in life? Yeah, you know, did like yeah. his like. And at what point do you think? Okay, this kid stole some. Well, kid, quote unquote, yeah, twenty five probably stole some glow sticks. You know what I should do? I should drive my SUV on the bike trail and stop him myself. Yeah. Like, if you're really worried about it and you think it's a like something gone wrong, just call the cops and let them deal with it. That's their job. Yeah. I don't even know what the cops would do. Give us those glow sticks. Yeah. So that we could throw them in the trash. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. yeah. People like that really make me wonder because you, you come across people like that where they're just angry. Just angry angry so it's like why are you like even if you're angry like because i felt angry before but i'm not angry outwardly yeah i may be like because it's just i really don't want to deal with this i just want to get this over with so i'm i'm very i'm very blunt i try to be quiet like whatever i'm doing i just want to get this done with and go home or something i don't want to be like no i'm gonna make a fuss i'm gonna stick my nose in this guy's business i'm gonna blow this way out of proportion i don't get what are they trying to accomplish well everybody has bad days but then there are people who just like make it a point to bring everyone else into it. Yeah. And the reason that I thought of that story recently was because one of my coworkers was telling me about how he had gone to a UNI football game and um, he and his wife had to leave shortly after because um, she's a vet and had to go care for some, there was an appointment that was coming up after the game. So there's plenty of time to make it there as long as they didn't get stuck in traffic. And so their plan was there's like an empty grass field next to the parking lot okay and so frequently people park it's like overflow parking kind of but so they decided to just go there off the bat right so instead of going through the normal traffic they went parked in this field and there were already trucks and cars parked there so they're like the seventh or eighth car in the row and he said as they're getting out of their truck this you and i like maintenance truck comes flying up with this dude in it said he almost hit his son and so he had to like pull him back against the truck. This guy jumps out. He's like, you got to move that thing or I'm going to have a joke. You can't park here. Just like screaming immediately. And so it was, I don't want to go into the whole rest of the story, but it was this situation where this guy was obviously frustrated that there were people parking where they apparently shouldn't be. But it's like, it's not like they all showed up in some gang and were like, yeah. we're going to screw over this maintenance guy and park <laughs> on the grass. You know what I mean? It's like you're taking out all your frustration of everyone who's parked there on the last person to get in that you just happened to see. Yeah. Who isn't even being unreasonable. Like literally all you would have had to do is say, look, this isn't official parking area. You're yeah. going to have to go park in the lot yeah, or whatever. Why, why, and he would have happily complied. But this guy came out screaming yeah. and just livid. And then, yeah, there was some other stuff that happened afterward anyway. Um, this coworker had, at the time had season tickets and so they ended up canceling their season tickets and like they were donors and stuff like that and canceled all that. And they're like, yeah, nice. I'm not going to be treated this way at a place that I support. So nice. yeah, that was, that was what made me think of it was people like letting a very small amount of authority turn their day like very bad. And, and even from the maintenance guy's point of view, he's like, well, there are these guys obviously coming to their vehicle. And I feel that they shouldn't be parking there. The fact that they're coming back to the vehicle near the end of the game. No, no, no. This was when they parked at the beginning of the game. Oh, so they just left the car there? No, they ended up moving it. Oh, I see. They tried to park there. Yeah, they, oh. but they had parked. They had parked and gotten out and were walking toward the the stadium. 
Okay. But then like, even then, why doesn't the maintenance guy say, Hey, excuse me. Uh, we can't, can't park here. You can go park in this. Right. Like, what, what is like, Oh wait, I could explain it rationally or I could scream, I could at, them. scream at them and be very threatening. Yeah. Like, how is that going to achieve yeah. your goals more? And the other, the other part of the story is that this maintenance dude apparently called this adult colleague of mine, boy, like he kept calling him boy. And he was like, they ended up having some mediation with like the athletic director or something like that. Oh, so they and followed was, up on this. Yeah. And he was like, would you appreciate being called boy? <laughs> and the guy was like, uh, no, I don't think I would. Wow. The guy who was yelling at them. No, no, no. The athletic director. The guy who was yelling at him apparently never apologized or anything. I wouldn't be offended. I'd just be like, particularly if the guy was not much older than me. No, this was, this was apparently wasn't a pretty old guy or older gentleman. Yeah. yeah. Gentlemen. I mean, I won't be offended. I, I'd be confused. It's just like of all the, like, you can't. Well, you know, he, and he said he was trying to, he said that to try and get his attention because he thought they were just walking away from him, like not listening or something. Like, hey, boy. Like, he called him like that. It's like, yeah. I'd probably be, I'd probably be like, oh, and he had a sense of, oh, son, something's calling for you. You know, like, I, I don't get it. I don't, yeah. The, the people who are just angry at the world, they're just fun to toy with. Like, when they, when they, like, if anybody's like that, I, I'm going to toy with you at, at right. that point. Because their buttons are too easy to push. Oh, yeah. It's like, whoops yeah that one yeah because you're not going to do anything or if you do which it sounds like you you're on the i guess you're on the uh brink of it's a great self-defense maybe and then that's when i like let's do this and then i pull out the baseball bat that i carry with me all the time and then just start for playing. baseball yeah and uh then have some fun but so that was your uh proxy redneck story which well I no i was the, the one i was sharing on the bike trail was just kind of um it was redneck on the part of the guy who was confronting me. That's what I mean. Was that your proxy redneck yeah. story? It was. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. There's there's many, many more. Oh. One that we want to because I have one my, my proxy. Go for it. Story. Absolutely. And it's so it's one that I've told numerous people before. This happened back in I think 2011, 2010, summer of uh, uh, one of those. And uh it's a tale that I love regaling people with. And I don't even know why, because I'm sure they're not very entertained. But maybe you guys, maybe the listeners will be. So it's called the pig parts story. And when you say pig parts, what does he mean? I mean, literally parts of a pig. Is this Lord of the Flies? Is that what we're about to hear? No. Okay. Um, so long story short, we're up at my uh, quote unquote cabin. Now when I say my cabin, I mean, it was a resort of cabins. Let me rephrase that. It was a resort. Let me rephrase that. It was a collection of shacks. Okay. And uh, on this lake in northern Minnesota, and my family and I would like you know like my uh, extended family, including my mom and I, would go up there and be there for a week in the summer. It was a yeah. good, it was a good getaway. Yeah. And uh, for uh, this year, we had brought my friend Josh along with us. So for some reason, we're leaving the site. We're leaving the, the quote unquote resort site. And my mom pulls up. She was driving. My mom pulls over and says, "Josh, do you want to drive my car?" And I was sitting in the passenger seat saying, why are you stopping the car and delaying us for this? And Josh was like, no, no, that's okay. My mom, for some reason, insisted that he drive my mom's car. So they swap seats. And I'm just like, why are we doing this? This is stupid. Just the fact that we're taking the time to do it. It's like, why are you making my friend drive your car, mom? It didn't make sense to me. So mm -hmm. it was him in the driver's seat, me in the passenger seat, my mom and my uh, cousin. He had his license, I assume? Yeah. This okay. is like when we were 18, 19-ish. Okay. Okay. No, 19 or 20, I think. Okay. Um, and my cousin Parker, 
uh, was with my mom and dad. So there were four of us. So we drive onto the road, we get to the highway, we start driving to, I think it was Park Rapids. It was like 20, 25 minutes away. And we're driving on the highway, 55, 60 miles an hour. And everything's fine. I'm in the passenger seat. And I'll, out of nowhere, I just yell, cat, thump, thump. And because like, I mean, like this cat, it was an orange tabby cat, darted into the middle of the road from the ditch. Like it was, it was on a mission after something. I remember very clearly seeing its face, its whiskers and its ears were pinned back. It had a very determined look on its face and it was like bounding. Like I remember still frozen in time, the frame. This it wasn't was like a suicide pact or something, was it? I don't think Maybe so. Maybe that's what it was. Because it wasn't looking at the car. It saw some, it was as if it were chasing after something that was right in front of it, uh, but there was yeah. nothing there. Because yeah. I saw it dart on the road after nothing. But I mean, it was, it was literally like a third of a second between me seeing it and us hitting it. It, it yeah. came out of just nowhere. So we hear thump, thump, and I had a cat back at home that hitting this cat made me feel really bad. So I was like, oh, crap, we just, Josh, you just killed the cat. So I was like, I knew something bad was going to happen. Why did you make Josh drive? Um, so we make Josh pull Yui. We go back. We check for the cat, and we couldn't find it. We couldn't find any blood. We couldn't find its dead body. We checked on the road, in the ditch, under the car, maybe got stuck, like, on the car somewhere, the dead body. Couldn't see anything, but there is a very distinct like hitting part of the hitting the front of the car then hitting like the back wheel or something because it was a thud thud <clears throat> so we're looking around and we like there's no evidence of this cat ever existing but we did see a driveway coming out or like a, a dirt road coming off of the uh coming off of the highway into somebody's property so we're like, oh crap we probably killed their cat we got to go and like i felt so bad because i had a cat my you know back at home I, I if somebody did this to me i'd want them to tell me so i'm not just wondering where my cat went for weeks and weeks so we decided to go back go up and, and tell the owner hey we hit your cat but we couldn't find it uh so my mom and parker stay behind to look for evidence of the cat while josh and i go up to this property to um tell the owner and you're like jack you're rambling on what get to the point of the story well, this is where the story really starts because we walk up this driveway and what we see is basically like a scrapyard of really old, I'm talking about, they must've been thirties, forties, fifties, farm equipment, just rusted out, scattered all throughout the yard. And it was a pretty big yard. Um, and it wasn't even like a scrapyard because when you think of the scrapyard, you think it like literally piles of like cars or vehicles. Yeah. This is just random random piece of equipment strewn about this property and then we were like what the heck is this place so then we see this uh little small caged pen probably five by eight or something and uh, it was like it's like chain link fence and there was this dog house in it and there was this dog just sitting in there and they're like oh look it's a dog then it went like into the dog house afraid of us and we we're like this is a weird scene so then we see a trailer and then we're like okay there's the owner so we go up to the house or to the trailer, knock on the door, say, hey, excuse me, anybody home? And it's like we see movement inside the house. Like somebody's peeking through the blinders and put it away. It was all dark inside. And my buddy, Josh, was like, this is getting weird. Or I was. And I'm like, no, we got to we gotta tell the owner. And then so we knock on the door. Like, hey, excuse me. Um, if you're home, we think we may have hit your cat on the road. We just wanted to make sure if it was yours or, you know, just let you know. And we knock again. Nobody's coming. We know somebody's inside, but we don't tell. But. We don't, uh, we don't hear anything. So Josh is like, okay, whoa, what? why is that barking at us? I don't know. What's it saying? 
The maximum recording time for segments is 60 minutes. Oh, crap. Why did it make that weird alarm sound? I've never, never done that, that before. Anyway, and why? It's not 60. We've done over an hour, haven't we? I thought we have. Anyway, I'll make this quick. No, so, we're, Josh is getting creeped out. I'm getting creeped out, but I'm on a mission. I'm like, no. I'm telling this person. I was like, okay, look, lady, we killed your dog or I killed your cat or we think we did. We couldn't find it. I'm sorry. But then Josh was like, hey, look at this place down the hill because like the, the road that we came up on sort of uh, – came off the highway, looped around, and must have connected back to the highway on the other side. And down below, we see this other, it was either a house or a trailer, but it's under, because the place we're at right now, no trees, all the, the vegetation around was dead and brown. It looked very, and then we had all the, the scrapyard, rusted out pieces of equipment. It looked very sketchy, uh, something out of like no country for old men. But then down below, we saw trees, green grass, it was all shaded. Oh, that looks much more pleasant. So then we walked down there, and then as soon as we started going down there, we started seeing even some weirder stuff. We saw a pile that must have been two feet high of, it looked like manure. And it was probably like five feet in diameter, two feet high, had a bunch of mushrooms growing on it and a bunch of flies buzzing around. And so what the heck is this? We saw a larger pile of cans, uh, of like aluminum cans. So a bigger pile than that of just aluminum cans out in the yard. Okay. And this person's property. We saw a a kiddie pool filled with mud and, uh, that and the fact that it was like, you know, redneck area of, of Minnesota, trailer parkish sort of feel. Josh was like, we should we should get out of here because these people aren't going to be pleasant. So then they say, nope, on a mission, we got to get this done. So we go up to the porch and that's when we see him. I was like, either Josh or I said this to the other. It was like, hey, what is that? I think that's a pig's head or a, a part of a pig. And literally on the porch were strewn part. I think there was a pig's foot. There was a jaw. And it's almost, it wasn't like a foot bone. It wasn't a jaw bone. It had flesh on it still. Parts of a pig strewn about on their porch. And Josh was like, dude, let's go. I'm like, no, we're doing it. So I knock on the door. And somebody comes and answers. And that's where the story ends. It was just like this really creeped out, like, you know, area of like, why are there pig parts? Why is there this pile of little poop? in their yard, why are this pile of aluminum cans? Because when the people came to the door, there was actually a really nice guy who was drinking a beer at 9 a.m., but never mind that. Uh, toothless, or like, you know, had some missing to- teeth out front. His wife came up. They had a daughter. You know, there's a perfectly good explanation for all that. What? The pig ate all the food in the cans, yep. crafted a big old pile of manure, and the owners came home and found that the pig had eaten all their canned food yep. and slaughtered it for food. But then why leave the strewn parts on their porch? Well, it, it, you know, they were hungry. <laughs> that doesn't they make were sense. In a hurry. So, I mean, it's kind of an anticlimactic ending because when they came to the door, they were actually like really nice. We, we explained the situation. They're, oh, don't worry about it. It was probably just a barn a barn cat. Uh, you know, it wasn't ours personally. So, And they were the only so other people around. The moral of this story is don't judge a book by its cover. Speaking of people knocking on the door. Yeah, I'm going to go see. Is that on my door? Probably not. Sounded I think. like it. I'll go check. Anyway, that's the most redneck stories for us. Um, Tune in next time for more tangential banter. I'm going to go see who's at my door.